Okay, cool. Good morning, RecoverCon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Donald McDonald, and I'm a person thriving in sustained recovery from severe mental and substance use disorders. And um, No Thanks But Yes is a self-care hobby I created about one year ago, about this time. It was after I came to the first RecoverCon. I decided I need to do something fun something creative, something rewarding. And I went about doing it for about uh, seven months and then said, I'll take a break. <laughs> I'll take a break and we'll come back hard with season two. That was five months ago. <laughs> that was five months ago. So Gerald, thank you, uh, approached me and said, uh, come and tape a live episode and I couldn't think of anybody better to be that guest than to raise the profile of a rural health hero, what? local recovery community <laughs> expert, and um, Gerald. And this event is being um, organized in part by Sauk Valley Voices of Recovery, a recovery community organization here in, in the rural Sauk Valley in Dixon, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gerald is the executive director. And I don't want to tell too much about who he is because part of the fun of this podcast is introducing yourself. <laughs> who, okay. who are you? So who are you, man? Uh, my name is Gerald Ladd. I'm executive director and uh, co-founder of Sauk Valley Voices of Recovery, a person in long-term recovery since uh, April 18th of 2008. Um, I am a father, I am a friend, I am entrepreneur, I am ex-crazy person, I am all that and more. All that and a bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Right on. Well, thank you for, for inviting me. Uh, how did we meet? You know what? I don't remember, to be honest with you. Um, I think we met professionally through some of the... Uh, seminars that we were doing and, and I am the type of person that uh, if uh, you know I'm, I'm the walk up to somebody and ask them who, who are you and what are you doing guy you know and um, so I think we were we were on some zooms and I just liked what you were talking about you were you weren't with all you weren't with a sober group at that time you were with like some technology center or something right Right on. Right. And so you said something that intrigued me. And so I'll send a text like, call me, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I think that's how we met. And then we found out that our circle was a little closer because of Natalie and some other people. Yeah. Right. Right yeah. on. Right on. Yeah, yeah. actually, um, part of the birth of, of this recovery community organization was through funding from Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA. Right. And um, the organization I have, I have the, I have the privilege to work for JBS International. We do, we're in a cooperative agreement with HRSA to provide the training and technical assistance. And as you announced this morning, that initiative it has finished its three-year implementation run of one million dollars to to address gaps in prevention, harm reduction treatment gaps and recovery support services and what you crushed 
is the recovery support <laughs> services piece. And as uh, Peter Gomond from ONDCP mentioned this morning, not everybody knows what recovery is and they have a tendency to conflate it with treatment. And it's not, it's, uh, it's everything else. So on that point, do, uh, do you identify as a, as a person in recovery? Yes, I do. Today, absolutely. <laughs> yesterday was ugly, but today, <laughs> yeah. Today yes. you didn't represent so well. I mean, yesterday. <laughs> no, I asked, asked, asked my children when I'm screaming and throwing things at them. Right. Like, Dad, you're not in recovery today. <laughs> so. Oh, that, that means your family has a pretty good grasp of, of um, what recovery means to you. So I ask everyone, um, because we don't all agree on what recovery is. And we did mm -hmm. see a, 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 a SAMHSA definition of recovery this morning mm -hmm. that's 10 years old, and it just got revisited through stakeholder engagement once again to see if it, if it holds up, and it does. And that's this mm -hmm. process of improved health and wellness, striving towards self-sufficiency, self-efficacy, self-autonomy, and striving to reach our full potential to self-actualize. Mm -hmm. And that's a great definition for collectively coming together to move initiatives forward and for research and such. But individually, what does recovery mean to you? So, so recovery is a multi-level thing, right? Um, there's my personal standards for myself, right? For me, that's total abstinence. Um, but then there's my public perception of recovery, which is more harm reduction, which is any positive change, you know, which is if a guy was smoking crack five days a week, and I can help him get down to two, then that's a win, right? Right on. You know what I'm saying? But I also know for me, you know, the 12 steps saved my life. Let's don't, let's don't even get away from that, right? I, I, I'm 100% a 12 step guy. But I don't know if I'm an alcoholic or a drug addict. Mm, the right? label, right? It doesn't matter, but for me, I have never started using drugs where I wasn't drinking, mm. right? So for me, drugs are the tiger and alcohol is the cage. And if I don't mess with the cage, I never have to deal with the tiger. So mm. do you get where I'm at? Oh, yeah, that's heavy. So I just, for me, I worry about the alcohol, right? Um, but I know that the people that I work with don't always come from that place and that it's not that's not their story. I'm an old car guy, right? And, you know, like your mileage may vary, you know? So, you know, everybody's a little different and what, what works for me could kill him. Right. Right. On. You know, so, um, so my, my definition of recovery is, is the person getting closer to living the life they want to live. Right. I like it. Right. I mean, I like it. it their goal, individual goals are important. Right. To do more than you think you than can you do. you think you can do. Right on. So the other, hold on. I want to say oh. the other part of you thriving in, uh, in recovery is that jacket. That's amazing jacket. <laughs> well, thank you. You was thriving when you picked that one out, brother. <laughs> well, my wife, my wife helped pick it out. Yeah. So then she's thriving. <laughs> I'm colorblind and I have a warped perception of style and taste well, you're doing it and doing it well right on All yeah right. i got this for a summer wedding i thought i would wear it once just to make everyone happy and it's my go-to now <laughs> not because it's the biggest jacket i have in pandemic you understand <laughs> what i'm saying as i'm looking at my picture there yeah there we go oh yeah i look buff now 
Nice. <laughs> so we talked about how we met. We talked about you identify as a person in recovery and kind of what that means to you. And um, we can talk a little bit about what recovery gives you, but I want to talk about what you're doing in this community. Let's talk about, you know, Sock Valley Voices of Recovery. Let's talk about the recovery supportive home that's launching. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what are you doing here to treat the soil in Dixon? Um, like I said, I'm just running forward, you know, I'm just going where, wherever it takes me. Um, when I got to this community, you know, we're in a rural community, a hundred miles outside of Chicago in between two cornfields. Right. Mm. And I'm a, I'm a downtown Chicago guy um, who lived in the music business and nightclub world in Chicago. And I, and I, and I come out here and this is where my wife is from. And, you know, oh. that's why I'm here. Right. Yeah. Um, I got four kids. So, you know, grandma, you got to drive somebody. Yeah. Um, but when I got here, I started going to meetings and I just did not relate, man. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that thought that all meat came in styrofoam with that plastic over it. Right. And people are like, would you like to buy a half a cow? Like what? Right? You know, I thought somebody, I literally thought somebody was gonna bring me a cow cut in half and hand it to me, right? You know, it just I I wasn't of the culture and um and I wasn't fitting in and and I've been through this enough times, man. I've been dealing with my addiction since I was 16 years old, mm -hmm. right? I've started and stopped and relapsed and so many treatment centers I don't even remember. And um I just wasn't finding what I need. And my philosophy is it's my responsibility. If, if, if I don't have in my community what I need to stay sober, then I got to create it. Mm. And so I, I started creating meetings. Um, I started doing outreach. And then my daughter had the occasion to need help. That was a long drawn out thing. And after years of volunteering, years of driving people, years of sponsoring people, years of going to those damn overpriced banquets at the local, you know, treatment center. You know the one, you've been to them. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, when my daughter needed help, I called and they put her on a waiting list, mm. you know? And eventually uh, she went back and she fell off a balcony and broke her neck. And I was like, enough is enough. And so, you know, if, if it's my responsibility then then I'm gonna do something. So I basically, quit my job, started this organization, and we've been running ever since. That's about it. That's about it. So you, you, you came here, and, and part, of the, part of the risk uh, to a chaotic relationship with substances is, is, is dislocation, isolation, lack mm -hmm. of purpose. Right. And um, find your people, find your purpose, find yourself is something that I like to say. So you had a little trouble finding your people. So you, you gathered your people about you. You had trouble finding the resources that you needed. And you went about creating those. And one of the drivers was the family member who faced barriers and, 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 and almost, almost died. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have the same driver. I've lost two sisters to fractured and siloed systems of injustice right. and lack of care. And so I, that, that's part of what fires my advocacy as well. So good so, on you. So my daughter came out here because, you know, that was the deal. Like 
I'd go pick her up in Chicago, you know, I, and finally she called, she said, dad, I need treatment. I want to go. Mm. And I went and got her and I brought her out here. And, you know, the whole thing took about five days or so. And eventually we had run out of options and we went to the local police department because they had this program where you were supposed to be able to get help. And we got there and they said, we can't help her because she's not high right now. Right. You know, so what are you telling me? I need to go buy my daughter drugs so that you can help her. But, uh, and it's not the police did anything wrong. They didn't have a treatment center that would take her. And to go to detox, you have to be intoxicated. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm stuck. Um, so as I said, what does Gerald do? Well, three years later, now Gerald and Wyatt run that program. And now everybody that asks for help gets help. Wow. Right? You fixed it. We fixed it. You know, that's what we do. Me and Wyatt. Wyatt. Me and Wyatt fixed it. You know, that's what you do. You know, because somebody behind me may need to take their daughter. Indeed. I do talk a lot. Damn. That's all right. Um, I dig it. Uh, because it's helpful. <laughs> it's easy podcasting. It huh? Yeah. <laughs> Just put a subject out. This fool will go. This fool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, wow. These are some, some splendid stories of, of, of seeing gaps, of seeing literally insane policies and, and jumping in and trying to fix them. We don't all have that wherewithal to do it. And you, you didn't do it alone. So Not even close. You found your find you found your coyote band of coyotes to come Absolutely. together and, and make that change. Absolutely. And and some of them are 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 some of them are people that are 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 so remote and and you 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 don't even think. I mean, as we were sitting down here, I look around this room and other than a couple of people, I have some kind of professional relationship with everybody in this room, some way, you know, and it's a it's amazing. I mean, yeah. you're interviewing me, but you should be talking to them because without them, I don't get to do nothing. Aww. Like, like she, writes all, <laughs> she writes all our checks and she's the president of the board and that lady way in the back, Roz inspires me. And, and, and so I, I, I met or I was uh, exposed to her work and then it told me that I wasn't doing nothing right. And, and Brandon, Brandon's showing me how to make you know Illinois a different place with RCOs. Whitney runs the MAT program. Hey Sam, back there who started RFW in New Hampshire, that, recovery come, friendly workplace. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, this world is full of people. You These, did. You did. All I did was put a whole bunch of people together. Right on. <laughs> yeah. See what happens. I'm connected with a lot of these people too, and I'm feeling that right now. Yeah, definitely don't do what I do alone. Brandon and I are involved in an initiative called the Recovery Policy Collaborative. And, okay. and we recognized that while we had our band of coyotes, it became necessary to build a bigger band and replace ourselves with some other folks. So isn't that the scary thing though? Like what happens if you walk out of here tomorrow and get hit by a bus? I know. Right. So you got you to be building that guy behind you at all times, Yep. you know, because where would we be if somebody hadn't reached out for us? You know what I'm saying? I mean, You're doing all right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this event 
because that's where we are. We're at RecoverCon 2022. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> and this is a rural community, a, a startup recovery community organization that adopted a big old name, RecoverCon, and the room is just filled with amazing people. And, yeah. and uh, what tell us a little bit about RecoverCon. And this will be, this will get published afterwards. So I'll show lots of pictures of folks who were here and so um i'm an old nightclub promoter man and uh you know i've been throwing parties since i was in eighth grade and to me this is just a different kind of party you mm. know it, it's uh it's the same thing it's just instead of you know listening to music or we're dancing we're, we're talking about recovery and this is what's important to me um this community 100 miles outside of chicago our three counties population-wide are probably smaller than some neighborhoods in Chicago, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So when there's federal or state funds, they typically go to those population centers. And the people out here are struggling, right? You know, yeah. opioid, opioid deaths were insane in rural communities, you know, what, five years ago. Now fentanyl is coming. You know, this is a serious thing for me, and I'm just watching resources fly over my head like that one country song. I'm in flyover country. Um, so we said, let's build this event where they can't look away, right? They can't look past us. So, you know, here we got the White House in Dixon, Illinois. We got you mm. out of Dixon, Illinois. We got Indiana in Dixon, Illinois. We had Johan Hari last year. Yeah, you did. Yeah, we did, yeah. right? You know, the most listened to TED Talk ever. Ever. And he's here. So, you know, the, the goal is to make everybody look this direction and, and, and make them know that we're here. We can't force them to, to fund us, but we can certainly make them know that we're going to be here and we're not going to be quiet. Old party promoter. Old party promoter, you okay. know. You know. <laughs> tell, tell me tell me a highlight or two from the party promotion days. You're still doing some of that, right? Uh, I, I still do some, some house music stuff. Um, highlight of the party promotion days is putting Michael Jordan out of the VIP room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, you want the story. I got to tell well, you the story. All right. So Michael Jordan, when he was big in Chicago, um, anything he did, Millions of people followed, right? Yeah, this one will get you put off the air. Um, so he used to travel with like 200 guys on motorcycles, mm -hmm. right? When he would ride, all the guys would want to ride with him. Mm -hmm. And so they came to our club one time, and our club was two stories, and our whole second floor was a VIP room, right? Typically, we'd make 20 grand in a night up in that room, right? Well, he brought all these guys, they parked all their bikes in front where the, the valet park is, right? They go upstairs to the VIP room, but because they're riding, they're only drinking water and pop. Nobody wanted to drink. So a room that makes 20 grand that night made like 800 bucks, right? So, all right, okay, they can do that. Mike Jordan was there, right? Got pictures of him. Yeah. Yeah, the second time he came, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't we can't do it mike i'm sorry you know so he's like i need the vip room nah can't happen so yeah so we put How about them out. that <laughs> you know so we put them out oh and now you're engaged in trying to prevent drinking <laughs> well you know exactly exactly i was trying to prevent drinking then 
Right? No. Okay, I got well, you. here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. <clears throat> Please understand. There's nothing wrong with alcohol. There's nothing wrong with cocaine. And, and hear what I'm saying when I say that. <laughs> hear what I say. Cocaine is an amazing drug. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, uh, Rick James? <laughs> um, so if cocaine is used properly, which I don't know what the proper use, I'm sure they're like lidocaine and benzocaine, whatever they use, whatever they use the, the canes for, yeah. if you can, yeah, my thing is, surgery, stuff like my that. thing is if you can do it and it doesn't bother your world, great. The problem is I can't, mm. right? I end up creeping around on the carpet looking for little scraps of it and can't go to work the next day and spent the rent money. I can't judge what somebody else could do. You know, heroin, uh, diamorphine is heroin, right? So, you know, hospitals use it and it's great. I use it and it's bad. It's, it's all very relative. But the, the thing is, I'm not a temperance society. Nope. You know, I just know that for me, it doesn't work. And so therefore, you know, we have a big event here called the Petunia Fest and it's, it's the biggest thing in town and they sell a lot of booze and people come out and they have a great time and they love, if you can drink responsibly, do you. Right. But if you can't, know when to stop, be honest. That's an important point. You mentioned the temperance and temperance led to prohibition and prohibition failed and mm -hmm. prohibition over the last many decades in this country has also failed. It's the war on drugs. It's the racist war on drugs. Absolutely. And data show that uh, the majority of people can use alcohol and other drugs without problematic, chaotic or pathological use. It's actually averages it, it varies depending on the drug. We throw around 15, 20% often when we're trying to conflate them into one number. But uh, for those who do have a chaotic relationship or a pathological relationship, we try to provide treatment, recovery support services, and um, harm reduction for people who are going to continue using drugs because we love people who use drugs too. Right. Right They're the fun people. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> talking about fun. We always talk about fun because this uh, this podcast is, isn't a heavy podcast. We talk about some heavy stuff, but we also see people are thriving in recovery. Their, their recovery trajectories deepen, evolve, change. Uh, we discover who we are and our purpose on this blue marble. And we begin creating things. And we have fun and we have fun out loud. You mentioned recovering out loud. So what does Gerald do for fun? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I work, man. My, 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 my work is my fun. Um, I, I pretty much work at all times. You know, I'm always on call. Um, but, you know, it's interesting, just in this very room when I was setting up, I was talking to one of the tech guys and I was telling him how, you know, today I have high class problems, right? Mm, mm. Yeah, I didn't get storage for my boat last year. And so I had to keep it outside and raccoons ate the interior. Cry, cry. I got a boat. What? What? <laughs> and you ain't running from blue lights in it either. Right, right. That's my point. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Please understand, I was a full-on crack addict, man. Right. You know, mm. 
full on. I was the guy in the Dave Chappelle comedy, you know? Yeah, what's his name? You know, and and so only Dave can get away with that. And it's okay. Yeah, so you know, I mean, for me, anything I'm anything I do is a blood. Just getting to go to a movie, man. Yeah. You know, like I'm. I'll go to the movies and, I, and everybody else is like, you know, this movie sucks. I'm not, I'm just happy to be here, man. You know, popcorn, soda, and a movie, and nobody's chasing me, like you said, you know? Um, so what do I do for fun? I'm just out living life and meeting people. I, I love meeting people. Um, I laugh so much. I, I mean, we don't get a lot of work done because we laugh a lot at work. And, um, you know, life is a gift, man. So, so that's what I do for fun. I live. That's what I do for fun. I live. Right. Gerald Lott. <laughs> that's what I do for fun. Put, put Someone on, help me with punctuation. Put that on my tombstone. Put that on my tombstone. Like, not having fun now, are you? <laughs> no, lo- no longer living. He's like, I'm checking out the accommodations. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I have the same thing where my work, my passion, my advocacy, and my fun tend to intersect and lose compartment and um, and finding balance and engaging in self-care is something I must be deliberate about because even this podcast is is kind of part of what I do. And exactly. Yeah. So let me ask you, you a do question. Do? Oh, no, okay. I get to ask Sorry. a question. I was going to ask him, what's your self-care recommendation? <laughs> This podcast has been hijacked. <laughs> All right. So how do you handle the, the balance between family and, and your passion, your recovery, your, your work? Yes. Uh, on some days, I clock out before I'm done with my work. And it vexes me a little bit. And sometimes I wake up thinking about it. But sometimes I just close my laptop and I walk downstairs and I hang out with my family. Uh, I have a pet. If I didn't have a pet, I would be not only a digital citizen, but a person who lives, eats, drinks, plays in the comfort of his own home. So I I go for a couple walks a day with my pet. When I travel, I try to be deliberate about having some fun when I do that too. If there's a recovery community center, I go knock on the door to hang out, borrow the Wi-Fi, drink some coffee and get in the way. And I try to find a local pie shop that's got some really good pie. You keep bringing this pie thing up, man. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go to Pie Anonymous? No. <laughs> I have a manageable relationship with those baked goods. <laughs> well, is this an intervention? You're right, right, right. We want to talk to you about your cherry pie. Mom? Um, <laughs> tell, me, tell, tell, tell us about your podcast. because All right, it's yeah. called Recovery Greenhouse, and, and we picked that because the idea is, you know, we want to grow some new ideas in recovery, but I, I think that was just us trying to be fancy, to be honest with you. But I got an opportunity to partner with the local radio station, and they're like, oh, you can use our studio, right? And so I go into their studio, and I record, and it sounded like garbage, man. I don't know if it was because I didn't know what I was doing in a real studio or because it just it just wasn't made to do that. But whatever it was, I found that recording on Zoom actually works. Well. I went and bought this really expensive recorder thing and took it back. It, you know, sometimes the, the first idea is the best idea. And um, our my goal is to just find interesting people like you and some of the other people in this room 
and just have a conversation like this and see where it goes. You know? Right. Wait a minute. You sent me, you sent me notes. You're like, we're going to talk about this. I just send you my phone number. <laughs> see, see what happens. Right. right. So, you know, um, so yeah, that's it. All right. Well, I think that that's a splendid format and it's going to be awesome. All right. So um, we often end with a uh, uh, kind of a final succinct message and um season one that ended up being in a re retrospective montage that turned out pretty well final messages so no pressure <laughs> so what's my final message yeah look, look into the camera okay final message is be amazing give more than you take be amazing give more than you take truth recipe for success exactly and it's simple yeah right <clears throat> all right gerald god thank you so much for for being on no thanks but yes it's been a treat thank been you recover con yeah let's go get some lunch do you you do <laughs> you do you